It's great to see you all. I want to encourage you today. We are in the book of Genesis. We are we go through major sections of scripture here at First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. We preach from the actual Bible, and we think that's really important. Uh, we think it's important to read what God has said and to spend time considering how it applies to our lives. That's what we are passionate about here, and we do that today. Today's message is entitled, Margins and the Middle. Margins and the Middle. I play a little bit of golf. I am at best a marginal golfer, meaning the balls in my golf bag were mainly given to me that someone scavenged out of a lake. My equipment is old. It's not the coolest, latest, made out of aircraft, whatever they make them out of today. I don't have that. Um, I play the same golf course usually, and uh, I, I just enjoy it. It's fun, but I'm really, really marginal at it. I don't think about it a lot. Uh, I don't take my golf clubs when I travel because, frankly, if I played somewhere else, the golf clubs they would have there would be better than what I would bring. I'm marginal at that. Now, when it comes to being a parent of young adults and a grandparent, I'm in the middle of that. I'm not, I'm not eating around the edges of that. I'm all about that. I, you ask me anything about my grandkids, I got pictures, I got statistics, I got vignettes, I got stories that will bore you in a matter of seconds. But I know about that. And when my kids call, I wake up usually, right, parents of young adults? You wake up and answer the phone, right? Because they never call early, do they? Um, but I'm all about that. I'm in the middle of that. I want to know about that. I want to hear what's going on. I'm prepared for the next conversation. I know what they're thinking about. I know where they live. I know all about them because I'm in the middle of that. When, we, when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being the people of God, when it comes to responding to the grace of Jesus Christ, the two typical responses are either we are living on the margins or we are living in the middle. We're either seeing it, uh, we're seeing grace as a license to live on the margins or we're seeing grace as a means to love the middle, to be right in the middle of it, in the center of it. So that's what we're looking at and going to be studying today in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. We're we're looking at the life of Abraham, who at this point is still called Abram. And uh, we're looking at how God is using him to bring about redemption and to save the lost and to save his people. So Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, God's word says this. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the Negev. Now, you're with us, you know what just happened. Last week we talked about the end of chapter 12, and this was the event where Abram had been called by God. He went to the land God would show him. God showed him the land. God showed up. He appeared. Abraham built a couple of altars. Things were going great. Abraham continued to journey, but then they weren't going great. We've all been there, right? You know what happened. Suddenly some really bad economic times hit. There was a major recession or a pandemic or something terrible, and it caused the land to not be able to produce. Maybe it was pestilence. You don't know. 
the Bible, it's called a famine, and it was severe. So in order to survive, Abram took his family, and they went down to Egypt. Egypt is watered by the Nile, and it's frequently the place that God's people go for refuge, uh, for, for bad or for good. And when they get there, Abram starts to get afraid, and he goes, man, my 65-year-old wife is so beautiful that they're going to kill me so they can have her. All you 65-year-old ladies are going, I get that. I get that. So Abram is never recorded to have prayed about this, considered this as an argument from silence. Maybe he did, but probably he didn't. And uh, he says, I'm going to pull a deception. Sarah, listen, tell him you're my sister. Because you are technically, you know, we have the same father, but not the same mother. Don't let your mind wander about that. That's just the reality of the day. And uh, so Sarah says, okay. And she tells him she's his sister. And so they let Abram live. Not only do they let him live, but they give him wealth. Maybe they're trying to have a treaty with him, but they give him wealth and they take Sarah, his sister, into the harem. This is not good. They're supposed to be the people that God's going to build this nation out of. And God steps in. God owns his mission. God shows up, if you will, and he sends a plague on Pharaoh and his whole house, and they all get sick and things are bad. And he goes to, he goes to Abram, he goes, why did you not tell us she was your wife? Somehow he figured this out. And so here's your wife, take your wife and get out of Egypt. And so they do. And when they do, they take all that wealth with them. And when I first read the story years ago when I was a kid, I thought, isn't there going to be punishment for Abraham? Why in the world does he get away with this? It seems like his deception has paid off. But that's really not how we should read the story. See, really what's happened is God has shown incredible grace to him. He's given him something he didn't deserve as he was rescuing him. Does that sound like a lot like the gospel? This idea of receiving grace is something that is mind-blowing to us. We believe that an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. We believe if you earn something, you should get something. If you don't earn it, you shouldn't get it. If you're guilty, you should be punished. That's how we function. But there's a gracious God to this. And he gives us good things when we deserve them question is, how will we respond to that? Verse 2. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first and where Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So Abram filled with this awe of God, having learned something about him he really didn't know. He, he really didn't know this was a God who would bless those who really deserve something bad. He, he didn't know him like that. And now he has experienced this. He's got this incredible wealth. He's like, this is, this is crazy. I'm so excited to now go back to where I first heard from him, to where I, to where I first heard from him in the land where he showed me the land where, where he uh, pointed out how great it was going to be. And I like he wants to get back to that place of experiencing God having been away in Egypt. Have you had that experience? 
remember the last time I heard from him, and I hadn't heard from him. I need to go back. Maybe it's an actual place. Maybe you hadn't been to your place where you do your quiet time, or, or maybe there's a place at the beach that you go, or, or maybe there's a, a, a place in the middle of the Everglades or somewhere that you go just to kind of experience God, or maybe it's back to church the last time you really heard from him. I want to get back to that. He says, I, God is so great. I need to, I want to worship him. I want to experience him. And so he goes back to this place uh, between Bethel and Ai where he had pitched his tent and where, where God had shown up in a big and a powerful way. Verse 5, and Lot, who was Abram's nephew, Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Have you ever just think, man, I got to get away from family? Anybody? Don't 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 raise your hand because you're probably sitting next to him. But you're just like, man, I this is I love them. They're great. They're fantastic. But Whew. Man, I just like space. I'd like to walk around without getting all dressed up, you know. I'd I'd like to just be able to chat anywhere I want to chat. I want to I need some space here, you know. I don't want everyone to know everything that I'm thinking and doing. Do you ever feel that way? That's like this only on steroids, right? It's it's a lot worse than that. It's just a sense of the land there's not enough room. And you may be thinking, well, how could there not be enough room? This is the land of promises that are going to support this whole nation. How could there not be enough room for Abram and Lot, even if they've got hundreds of people with them? How, how could that be? Well, notice it says that um, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. These are the original owners of the land. The Canaanites were the descendants of uh, Noah's son. Ham, whose son was Canaan, and Canaan, these are the Canaanite people. And so they really are possessing the land. God has not removed them yet. We won't see that till the time of Joshua. So the land that they are occupying is really land that's kind of left over. It's not the choice land. And this land is very likely not all that fertile. It's dependent on rainfall. It's probably pretty rocky. And to support livestock, you need some grazing you need some space. Um, and so what has happened is because they've only got these kind of bits and pieces of land, they're running out of space, and they've got to figure out what to do because they're starting to not like one another. You know, some family relationships need a little space, don't they? They get, a lot, they get along a lot better with their in-laws if you're not seeing them every day. Um, so there's a problem, and they're about to come to blows about it. And uh, they decide they've got to do something about it in verse 3. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your kinsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Let me pause there. Listen, we're family. We've got to work this out. We've got to find a way to love each other and to be together in some way. What's, what's the distance that we can work out? Verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Is 
you're going to make this offer, you've got to be ready to receive. Sometimes you ever made an offer, you go, well, I didn't really mean that. Because I thought you were going to go here. Instead, you went there. I was really planning on you there, and it didn't really work out. So what Abraham does is he says, look out, and it looks, it seems like you're looking east. He says, listen, if you go to the left, which would be north, I'll go south, which would be to the right. If you go to the right, which would be south, I'll go to the north, which would be on the left. We just got to get some space in between. It's a really magnanimous thing for him to do. I mean, Abram's a patriarch. But he's saying, look, I serve a God who's going to build a nation out of me. I have every bit of confidence that he's going to provide for my needs. And I want you, Lot, to have that same confidence. So I don't need to hold on to this tightly. I can come to you. And I can say, if you go to the right, I'm going to be happy going to the left. I know God can, can bless me in the south as good as he can in the north. I know that he can take care of me. So, Lot, you decide. The only people who've experienced God's grace in powerful ways have been the sons of Abraham. If you find yourself really holding on to things so tightly, you may not really be experiencing the grace of God. His grace is so overwhelmingly rich that we can make these kind of offers. You know, look, you want to go here? I'll go there. You decide. You know, parents, we need to sometimes give our kids some space. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to make some different choices. Um, We need to be ready to do that. But here's the thing. Wealth and opportunity will reveal our heart. And that's what's about to happen to Lot. He has the means and he has the opportunity to do what he wants to do. And it's about to reveal his heart. Verse 21. And Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So Abraham says, go to the right or the left, and Lot says, I think I'll just go straight. Or I'll go east, I'll go down into the valley. I'm not going to go north, I'm not going to go south, I'm going to go east, and I'm going to go down into this valley that is well watered everywhere like the garden of the lord it's like he's seen the garden of eden he feels like this is going to be nirvana this is going to be perfect for me he's thrilled about this he says it's it's like the land of egypt that was watered by the nile where he'd just been there but this is before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah this is a beautiful place but it's also a place that houses the most wicked city in the known world at the time He looks down and he sees this land could take such good care of me for the rest of my days. And I don't really have to worry about rain. And I don't really have to worry about God's provision. Have you ever looked at an opportunity like that? Like, I don't really have to worry about God. I don't have to be dependent on God even. I can just go down there and all my needs are going to be met. I feel like that's sometimes how we look at life. God, I would like to be less dependent on you. And the reality is the safest place you can be is really dependent on 
reveals God's heart. I want to be away. I want to be distant. I want to be near evil. I want to be in a place I could be independent from God. And I also don't plan on building any altars down there, by the way. So Lot did it. He went to the Jordan Valley. He journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram let him go. Sounds a little bit like the father of the prodigal son, doesn't it? You can go. You can go. He made the offer, and he made good on the offer. Let's go. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And that's where it gets sad if you're Abram. So not only did you want to go to the fertile place, the place that allows you to be independent from God, but you actually wanted to be close to the most wicked city in the known world. Sodom is a place that God will destroy. It's so wicked that he couldn't even let it exist anymore. Think how wicked it must have been that God had to wipe it off the face of the earth very soon. That's where Lot chose to go. His wealth and his opportunity, he could go wherever he wanted, and that's where he chose to go. Verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Marm, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. What a difference, right? Abram actually moves even further into the middle of the land. He goes to a place called Hebron, which is about 28 miles southwest of what's now Jerusalem. He looks at the entire land, and God says, this is the place I want to use to build this nation that I'm going to bless the world through, that you're going to be a blessing, and I will bless you. It's going to be amazing. I will build it through you in this place. Raise up your eyes and look and see. It's an exciting time for Abraham. God is showing him what he is about to do. And though Lot has taken some of the land or he's taken the eastward land, God says, it's all going to be yours. You don't lose anything when you give up this land to Lot. You see, they both experienced God's grace but they made opposite choices. They made opposite choices. And there's really three areas that they make those opposite choices in. You see, grace, God's incredible, great gift that we didn't earn, it causes us to make a choice to either have a license to live on the margins or have a love to live in the middle. And let's look at the difference between those two choices. There's three areas, really. The first is the area of dependence. When I say that word, does it bother you just a little bit? Because we're so like made to be independent people, right? God calls us to a dependent relationship. 
And Lot longed to have an independent relationship. He didn't want to depend on God. He wanted to be down in the valley where it was obvious where your water would come from. You got fertile land. It's going to be great. I want to live in an independent place. That's what margin dwellers want. They don't want to be dependent on God. They want to be dependent on themselves. They feel like they can earn it. They can make their way. They can provide for themselves. They don't really need God very much. See, margin dwellers, they have a really hard time being generous. Margin dwellers have a hard time giving significantly, for example, to the church. They may give to charity if they can get recognized for it, but giving to the church or giving to God, giving back as he's called us to do is a problem because they're dependent on themselves and not dependent on on God. That's why we practice this this opportunity to give we want to constantly remember that he's the one who provides for us it's not the land and you see today when we think of land you say well i don't really live in the promised land anymore although we do live in florida which is pretty close i guess um so i don't really live in this in in israel or in palestine what does this mean to me well see the land today for you To be in the middle of the land is to be in the middle of God's will. In other words, the middle of the place he wants to bring himself glory through you. So he wants you to be in the middle of what? Of a faithful church? Because that's what he uses to display himself. That's his main tool to show himself to the world. He wants you to be in the middle of his will in your family, a family that brings him glory. He wants you to be in the middle of his will in your personal walk, a pure life. That's how God brings glory to himself. See, margin dwellers want to be on the margin of life. They wonder how I can earn everything I can earn and not really be dependent on God, whereas middle dwellers, they like to live a little riskier life. Matter of fact, they're going to give more than they could probably afford to give because they're trusting God to provide for them. They're not dependent on the land. They're dependent on God. They're going to live a little bit more of a risky life at times. Sometimes it seems like they might be irresponsible. Why? Because what matters to them is the mission, not themselves. They started to realize that it's not about me. It's about the mission of Jesus Christ and making the world know him. Are you dependent closer you get to Jesus, the more dependent you're going to become. Sometimes when we're resistant to that, when we're resistant to dependence on him, it's because we're margin dwellers instead of being middle dwellers. Saying, God, I want to be in the middle of exactly what you want. I want to trust you with everything that I have. So first is the issue of dependence, how we respond to grace. Do we Respond that we want to be dependent or independent. Second is the issue of evil. Now, Sodom, probably one of the most evil places on earth. You can put your sin area in there. You've seen enough movies. You know enough about evil and how awful things could possibly be. Just put that there and consider, what is my relationship to evil? Lot wanted to be very close to the seat of evil about that 
He leaves this place of worship, this altar that Abram built, and he goes down into the valley, down to Sodom, the place farthest from God, the most evil place in the whole region. That's where he wants to be. You see, that's what margin dwellers do. They really are fascinated by evil. They're stimulated by evil. They want to know about evil. They, they want to touch evil. They want to experience evil. They want to get involved. your relationship like with evil? See, middle dwellers say, I don't want anything to do with that. I got enough chasing me as it is. I don't want to go hang out and be evil. It's not that they don't sin. It's not that they don't want to share Christ with evil people. It's that they're not going to allow evil into their lives. Not in a judgmental way, but in a way that says, I'm not going to go live with the most evil in the most evil place I could possibly live. I want to live in a place where I could worship, where there's an altar. I want to build outposts for Christ, but I don't want to embrace evil. See, Lot went to be far from the place of worship. When it comes to evil, are you living in the middle or are you living in the margin of evil? Are there some things you need to walk away from, some things you need to separate yourself from? So there's dependence, there's evil, and the third way that Lot separated himself was in the area of worship. He said, I don't really, there's no altars in the valley, there's no altars in Sodom, there's no place for him to worship. He separates himself from his worshiping uncle, and he goes down to a place they don't worship there. When you come to worship, you worship because you've received something amazing. You worship because you see you received the most amazing gift you could ever receive, that you're not going to be punished for things you deserve to be punished for. You actually have received grace. You've received forgiveness that you never, ever deserve. Does that move you to worship? And if not, I don't know if you've received his grace. I don't know if you understand how much you have been saved from, that you're not going to be punished for what you deserve to be punished for. See, margin dwellers, they really struggle to worship. They may come to a worship service from time to time, their hearts really not in it. They may come a lot and their heart not be in it. All the middle dwellers, they get it. They say, man, God, I know what a sinner I am, and I know you saved me from so much. And so worship is joyful, it's exciting, it's thrilling that God would do that for you. You say, well, Steve, why does this matter? I mean, really, does it matter? I mean, I'm pretty good. Marginal's better than nothing, right? I mean, margin's better than being far. Well, listen, if you know the story of Lot, which we'll cover soon, you have pretty. See, margin dwellers like Lot get carried off into captivity. Maybe where you're at right now, you're maybe about to be carried off into captivity, or maybe you've been taken captive by a certain sin area. Maybe you've been hauled off in a way that Lot is about to be hauled off and have to be rescued. And we'll see that next week as Abram goes after Lot when he is hauled off by the enemy. And Lot's story is not a pretty one. I mean, pretty soon he's going to offer his daughter to some to a wild mob to rape them. He's going to have to flee Sodom and Gomorrah because God's about to destroy it and he'll lose his wife if she becomes a pillar of salt. He'll later father children through his daughter. It's not a pretty scene. 
it's not a good life anymore. I want to live a life rooted to love. I do need to tell you, though, the end of Lot's story. Lot's family would become the Moabites. And there was this one Moabite lady. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth, through Naomi, became the wife of Boaz, who they fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David, and David is in the line of Jesus Christ. So the Moabites are treated differently. More grace is piled up. More opportunity is piled up. Which, again, gets us back to the question of what is your response to grace? What's your response? Move through the middle Make a move today to be dependent on him. Maybe you need to make a large donation. Maybe you need to make a large change in your, in your time so that you're, you're committed to Christ. Maybe you need to do something to say, God, I want to be, maybe you need to take some kind of a risk. It's a risk to share his, share his story, build a relationship. Can you move to the middle? Don't stay on the Maybe you need to move to the, to the middle and away from evil. Maybe there's some relationships you need to get out of. People who have influence over you that they really shouldn't have that kind of influence over you. Maybe you need to get away from some things that you're letting into your home that are evil, that are wreaking havoc in your home. And maybe you need to become a worshiper in the middle and not away you come to worship, maybe you need to remember all that Jesus Christ has done for you. Maybe you need to write them down. This is what you saved me. I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve this life. I, I didn't deserve this amazing time. I didn't deserve these things. I didn't deserve to have the opportunity to worship freely. I didn't deserve to know you. We need to kind of remember those things so that we can truly worship him in the out of the danger of the margins and step into the middle because God's grace and his desire uh, his desire to bless the world through you because of that because of what he's given you and his plan he wants to use you to make a great nation to reach others so that others can know Jesus because of that move from the middle move from the margins into the middle of God come let God use you it's his time He's ready. Don't miss out on what he wants to do with you through the middle. Don't stay in the danger zone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the middle, that you invite us into the middle of your will, into the place where you want to do amazing things. God, we confess that we kind of like the margins sometimes because we can see how our needs are going to be met. But God, we want to have faith in you, the unseen. We trust you. Not what we can see because, Lord, our eyes can't be trusted. We're not good at making these kinds of decisions. Lord, we want you to make it obvious how to move to the middle from the margins. Oh, we praise you for Jesus. We've received such incredible grace from him, grace we never deserved. We deserve punishment for our sin, Lord, all of us. But you sent your son to pay the price for us. 
so that we can live in the middle of your will to be rescued from the moment. Oh, we love you, Lord. You are the air that we breathe. You are a great and amazing God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? Says the
good to be with you in worship. Do we have that picture, Phil, of, of um, Kino? Can you guys put that picture up? We, uh, you guys have helped get surgery for this young man, and he has had severe bow-leggedness, and he has been, he's had a second surgery. Look at those legs. Are those not straight? Thank you so much. Give yourselves a round of applause for helping that happen. This is Kino from Jamaica, and uh, continue to pray for them and pray for our church in Jamaica. Thank you, Miss Myra, for all your help. Um, this afternoon at 3 o'clock on ESPN Plus, Saran, what's happening? FAU. FAU basketball game. Go Owls. Root for Trey and Brian this afternoon. And uh, super excited about that. And uh, so glad that you're a part of us. If you have questions, you say, Steve, I don't know how to move from the margins to the middle. I'd love to chat with you. You say, I've never really received the gift of salvation. I would love to talk to you. I'll be right here. Let me pray for us as we go. Father, we praise you. You are a great and awesome and mighty and wonderful God. And God, the most wonderful place we can be is in the middle of your will. Thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day.